0: You're listening to Adamair MD G-E-D, Underground Cartoon Therapy. Alright, listen to this fucking trailer. Horror and crime comics upset kids. And if it's a bad one, the kid is a massive jangled nerves by the time he's through it.
1: You know, we had to buy them underground. It was like a minor version of, you know, where do you where do you get your dope? The whole point of underground comics was to break taboos. I mean that's why they were made. Nothing was off limits. But we had complete artistic freedom. I think by the time Mike Diana was creating Boiled Angel, that's what he believed. I felt like things should be a step above the underground comics that I had seen in the past. A one time suspect in the Gainesville murders faces obscenity charges. Michael Diana. Michael, Michael. Diana. Michael, Michael Diana. Diana. Michael Diana. Michael of- Diana.
2: Diana publishes a magazine called Boiled Angel,
1: a comic book filled with sadism. You really have pushed the envelope. I'm sorry. Envelope
0: pushing winner right here. The prosecutors don't want to acknowledge Mike as an artist.
2: It's not any innocent soft pornography. This is hardcore psychopathic material.
0: I knew right away that what I was looking at was obscenity. Mike Diana had the unfortunate circumstance of having satisfied all of the standards.
1: Oh, God.
3: You like to get beat up? He's the nicest man I've ever known. Fucking head <laughs> dad
1: pulled me aside and he said, that's the Gainesville murderer! I saw him on TV! to a danger to society
3: yeah. to your ass?
1: and i had always thought i had the um the freedom to draw whatever i wanted to what happened to him was so profoundly wrong and why the first amendment is necessary and what it means i just didn't like some of these some of these drawings myself but to want to put somebody in jail for three years for drawing pictures is crazy that in the history of America, one American artist has been found guilty of obscenity for his own work. Should be taught in every school.
2: I believe his inspiration
1: was Satan.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mike sure did get fucked over, man. Yeah, they fucked his ass. Without any fucking lube. It's kind of like Guys Like Me's fucking nightmare. I guess, like, you know, on my end, man, I've been kind of lucky because I guess it's the style I draw in. But I've drawn just as offensive shit as Mike has. But I think, you know... It really is just this kind of line work even that the guy achieves, but you know, (laughs) me and Mike are about the same, we just want to feel safe, and we want to draw whatever the fuck we want to draw, and we want to be able to get it out, and that's what this episode's going to be tonight, the trial of Mike Diana, the uncut, uncircumcised. Fucking filled with malt vinegar. All right, you guys. (laughs) You know, Florida can fuck off. It can fucking suck a big old bag of nuts. And it's censoring ass shit. But he went down in history. We're going to talk about it tonight. (laughs) Me and Mike, man, we were in the same business. We still are. Just a couple of weirdo geniuses ready to fucking paint the world with puke and blood and disgusting shit. Definitely psychedelic, Psychedelic. (laughs) psychodelic. Well, we're going to talk about how the system can suck our fucking nuts tonight, so stick around. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a boy or angel? <laughs> <laughs> no, you <Yeah>. 666, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> 666 licks.
0: Aw. Dude, this is awesome. <laughs> Thanks for uh, being the season finale. And since your movie came out uh, on Amazon and shit, I figured, fuck it, you know, it's one of those friends with benefits things. I can just exploit your ass. Yeah.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> I was like, well, we've already done some cool ones in, you know, an hour with Mike Diana with the Lawn John, John Silver commercials, and we're filking in the back of it. That's fucking awesome. And I got you some packages of malt vinegar, by the way. Oh, excellent. Yo, yes. I love them. I got I know, at least a close. dozen. Uh-huh. Or you can go to Five Guys or whatever and get the fish. I know it's not the same thing, but at least you can douche it into the fucking Long John yeah. Silvers, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a good I'll do it. I'll do it. And in the... These days, I'll get to a Long Johns again or a Captain D's.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a I must. i
1: have Arthur... Huh?
0: That's a must. We we have to road trip that soon before they're all closed down.
1: Take, take Arthur Creatures. Mm-hmm. I went to a good one in uh, maybe in Ohio or something on the way to Cleveland. Um, not long, so long ago. You know, I sent you pictures of that.
0: Oh yeah, that was Arthur
1: Creatures, awesome. and it was good. You know, they had the classic fish, they had shrimps and all that mm. stuff. You know? God, I, oh, my pig.
0: I know you
3: did. I got my, fill,
1: <laughs> my yearly fix, because you don't know, know when I'm going to get to see that again. I mean, and they have it out on that pier, you know, but that wasn't the same. I mean, you got to travel inland to get that Arthur Treat. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You know.
0: Oh, man. Well,
1: and get it fresh, you know, try to get the. Yeah, don't don't mind waiting that 10 minutes or so cuz you're going to get a fresh batch, you know.
0: Where you lived in Florida when these, you know, redneck Nazis, you know, fucked your ass or whatever, did they have a Lon John Silver's down there?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean,
0: is that why they thought you were the the serial killer because he preferred Lon John Silver's?
3: Yeah, <laughs> probably.
1: That's what I wouldn't doubt
0: it. We saw him over there.
1: I wouldn't doubt it.
0: He was dunking uh, you know, fucking limbs in the fucking deep fryer. That was one of
1: the good things about moving to Florida, I was like, Wow, Long John Silver's right there, you know, with the old time sign with the pirate <laughs> and the pirate with mm-hmm. the spawn crossbones. Peg legs. His sister loved the peg legs, which was like the fried, battered and fried chicken legs. And uh mm. you know, I mean at least that was some of the good stuff about Florida. You know, Long John Silver's, because we would visit Florida now and then. Take the drive from New York to Florida. And, you know, to show my baby brother to my grandmother in Florida. It was was my mother's mother. She was born in Florida. And um, we'd visit my cousins. They lived on the beach. And then we'd get to go to the beach. And that was fun. Yeah. And then I go back to New York, and it was time for like the snow forts and the snowball fights or whatever. And um, yeah, so I always liked visiting hmm. Florida.
0: Yeah, there was something cool about Florida, you know, um, on this weird 70s, 80s in. But I think after that, you know, uh, by the time Miami Vice came out, I blame my oh, Miami yeah. Vice for all the stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. Really, that's when you got popped too. Was after the the fucking tyranny of Philip Michael Thomas and <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> whatever fucking Don, whatever his fucking name was. Yeah. Who was the guy, Sonny Crockett?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: These were the guys that yeah. busted you, right? That they were on the other line ordering, you know, boiled angel zines. Like we yeah. we it, you could see it too, man, and the eagles playing the music in the background while they're fucking you over.
1: Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what
0: it was. It was. It totally was. It, it was some <laughs>
1: You know I, I do it <laughs> was one of the detectives. hmm The well, uh, <sighs> Department of Law enforcement, they call it
0: that was the douchebag that's at the, he's at the end, and he's all like, I read it. Yeah. It was just, there was nothing. And the more I settled with it, and he, of course, he kept jacking off to it for like a week. He just admitted it. <laughs> and then he was all like, you know, yeah. and the more I sat with it, the more uncomfortable I felt. It's like, well, if it was, if you were uncomfortable with it to begin with, did you think it was going to change over the course of a week? Is that what you thought, dude? <laughs> like- yeah, that guy was Miserable fuck.
1: I know who you're talking about. That was mm-hmm. helper.
0: I got a sample of that douchebag. I'll play him later too. It's it's funny.
1: I'll tell you a story about that one. Mhm. And um so my brother had gotten in this mischief, you know, and he had to go to a court date. My father couldn't take him. He's like, "Can you take your brother to court?" This was after, you know, when I was on probation and everything. And I went to the courthouse with him, and I see that guy, you know, the assistant prosecutor guy, Mm -hmm. passes me in the hallway. I see that he sees me, but I act like I don't see him, because I don't want to see him, you know? Yeah. And I don't think much of it, so then I go back with my brother, it's time to go back in the courtroom, you know, because this was just like a recess, bathroom break. So we go back in the courtroom, and we sit down, the judge is, like, talking, and all of a sudden, the bailiff type guy, guard, you know, comes over and points to me. He says, you, I need to see you outside. Oh, shit. And I'm just thinking, like, what in the hell is this now, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says to me, you were spotted smoking weed in the bathroom. Oh, what? And I said, no, I wasn't. And he says, oh, yes, you were. And I said, no. And he said, well, a reliable source saw you smoking weed in the bathroom, you know. And I'm not that dumb that I would be smoking weed in a bathroom of a court outside, Right, car. dude, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> bringing my brother there, you know. Reliable source, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could have been a violation of probation right there, and that's what that guy was trying to get me in trouble. Oh, of so course, it just yeah. Shows you like what kind of jerks they are, you know. Every move you
0: made, they really yeah. became like your PR agents in the end, man. I don't yeah. think if they would have known that how 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 much they were pushing your career. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, like I remember you telling me that story about there was just one punk kid around or whatever that he was the only thing that he was the only one that had something really, you know, positive when you were going through all that fucking stress. And I'm sure it was stomach yeah. wrenching and yeah, abusive as fuck and just yeah, I you know you're obviously being raped. Yeah, call it like it is. You know, you they fucking took your shit away. You know, they they well, took yeah. you know they took your fucking rock rock and roll away.
1: They do uh, whatever they can do within the law, is what they do, and even more. You know, yeah. So I was getting pulled over by the police, and they would say, um, "Oh, you're the guy on uh, did those your the drawings and all that." You know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know just to show you they got their eye on you but you know I have been harassed so much by the police like from the time I was like 12 being profiled um, being pulled over my bike all the time you know where you go in and you tell them and then they say the standard Largo cop answer to any kind of answer you give is well you don't expect us to believe that do you (laughs)
3: uh huh
1: and they treat you like you're guilty of something just in case you are guilty of something. You get nervous, you know. And I mean, it got to be where it was so annoying, um, you know. And it was like, I mean, I feel like I was definitely harassed more there than probably your average black person is harassed, you know. I can That's imagine. Right where I was. Yeah. That's like a. Uh, Because they're like the deep south, you know. And they would see us as Yankees, you know. I mean, we weren't treated any better than anyone else, you know. So, you're from the north, you're just a Yankee, you know.
0: I can't imagine the shit that was spouted to you, yeah.
1: Encountering all the thing with the police, you know. And every time they pull you over, they have to search your car, make you stand out outside your car when they search it. I mean, it happened to me so many times, you know, different things like that. And, um, you know, finally you feel like you want to push back, you know. Um, And like when I was on probation, I was working at my dad's convenience store. Mm. You know, I was ordered to work a 40-hour-a-week job, maintain a a 40-hour-a-week job. my dad actually showed up to my sentencing, telling the judge, please don't give him jail time because I need him to work in the store. So the judge was like, well, you have to work in your dad's store. Um, I was supposed to stay at least 10 feet away from anyone under the age of 18. Hmm. And so the judge said, well, if anyone under the age of 18 comes in the store when you're in there, you stay behind the register, you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're going to get closer to me where the register is, but I'm supposed to stay behind the counter. (laughs) Oh, God, um, man. (laughs) So even before I had gone to my sentencing, you know, there was this little girl, like Spanish girl, maybe six years old. And the mother would send her in to pick like with a note and the money to pick up a dozen eggs or like they practically lived across the street, you know. Not a busy street either, you know, because you're not going to send a little kid out like that if it's a dangerous situation. But, you know, it was a normal thing, like maybe every other day, just kids in there. And I would give them, um, rather than always giving her a free little piece of candy, I had these like little plastic animals, toys and stuff. And I would give her one of these toys, you know, to have as a free thing. And she would have a collection of, of toys, you know, to be nice. And so, I guess, I wasn't thinking about it, but she came in after the sentencing, which was like, you know, about the kids and crap. Yeah. And I gave her a toy like, you know, I had done before. Oh. <laughs> and I ended up going to my probation officer later on. I don't know if it was a week later or whatever. First thing he says is, what's this I hear about you giving out little toys to to children?
0: Oh, man. (laughs) It doesn't
1: sound good when you put it that way.
0: No, they put it that way, too. And made it that way. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because where we lived, right next to my dad's store, my father and my brother and me lived in this kind of dilapidated house, you know, that was on the property. The owner of the lunch net and who owned the property my dad's store was in. He also owned this little house, you know. And technically, people weren't really supposed to be living in there. I mean, something like the guy had built it way back then without proper permits or something. Didn't even have a proper like foundation or whatever. Um, and it was used for storage, you know. So the guy said, well, we can live there and stay there since we're like, the store is right there, you know, we'll be living next to the store. And it was free rent, you know, so I was always about free rent, Find the different ways to get free rent in Florida, you know, my mentality was, oh, yeah. at least I'm not paying money. Yeah, fuck that. After <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, we lived in that house, and it didn't take long before my brother was spray painting pentagrams and outside the house (laughs) with spray paint, you know. He would have wild parties with, like, his friends all dancing around a bonfire, blasting metal, death metal. That's fucking awesome. And the neighbors on both sides and across the street were religious people. This couple across the street had a newborn baby, you know. And I got involved in the mischief, too. It was just natural, you know, because I was in that rebellious... I was drawing Boiled Angel. That's where I was drawing some of that stuff. Yep. You know, like, Rex fans Boiled Angel was after Boiled Angel. But they knew, like, that I was on the news, you know, they recognized, oh, that's that guy.
0: It's the Gainesville they killer. So yeah. I was
1: drawing <laughs> the on the news, and then they saw my brother, and I thought they thought we were the same person, you know, like the supervillain. Hmm. And, um, so when I went to my sentencing to my surprise, Prosecutor Bagish comes in with this neighbor, the guy from um, that were neighbors with us back then. And Bagish tells the judge, Well, this used to be a neighbor, uh, Mr. Diana, he wants to explain what happened back then. And his wife, didn't show up because she was afraid for her life. Yeah. Otherwise, she would have shown up, too. My God. And I guess they just, like, I don't know if Baggish seeked them out or they seeked Baggish out.
0: It seems Um, like they probably seeked him out, right? That's what it kind of seems like.
1: Basically, you know, the judge asked Baggish, well, was any of the stuff they are going to say addressed in the court? Mm Mm-hmm. And Baggish's response was, well, no disappointed response he had you know the sad face (laughs) with the puppy dog eyes (laughs) like no and the judge was like well no i don't want to hear it then Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know but i I mean i would have been interested to hear him rant and rave you know like yeah well he was painting pentagrams um (laughs) but, but you know it was it was madness i'll put it that way and, you know, that house that I was talking about, you know, it got so bad where the neighbors were calling the police on us so often. Um, I went out there, and I would, like, make this cat noise because we had a stray cat. We started feeding in our yard. Yeah. So when I would get home, I would bring the cat food out, and I would go, meow, meow like calling the cat, you know. <laughs> And it was more like a loud, exaggerated kind of sound. But the cat would come running. I'd give it some food. Well, I'm, i give the cat some food. And i pick it up. And I'm holding it. And the neighbor, the re- same religious guy, comes out, stares at me, you know, and goes back in, slams his screen door. And I'm like, I wonder what that was about. He was just staring at me as I'm holding the cat.
3: Huh.
1: So suddenly the cops roll up we got a call about someone sacrificing cats in a satanic ritual. I'm like, Oh, wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And that time in my mind, you know, after like what they did to me with the court case, I was like, Oh, this is playtime, you know? Right. I'm like ready to, to get verbal against cops, you know? And there was a couple instances where I did started to not physically push back, but just not go along with it.
3: Right. You know,
1: um, and I'm holding the cat, and I'm, he says, uh, well, we got a call that someone's torturing a cat. And before the cop showed up, I put the cat down on the ground, you know. Not because I saw the cop showing up, but just had put it down before he showed up a moment before. And the cat's rubbing against my leg with its tail up in the air like they do when they're happy, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, the cat, I mean, look, it's rubbing up against me. And it likes me. I don't think it would be doing that if I was torturing it. Yeah. And the cop says, Well, it's just a cat. I don't really think they know. They would know. <laughs> and he's like 21 or whatever, you know, Uh-oh. I'm like 23. He's probably 18. I mean, who knows? And I'm just like, What am I going to be here and argue with this guy who you can't reason with? I mean, come on. This is just. At that point, I'm just like done talking. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Yeah. Hmm. And he left, but what he did is was, what they do is they call the fire department and have them condemn the building, and that's what happened. They came up like, the next day or so, slapped a note on the door that said, you have a week to move out, <laughs> and we had to move out, and then the place was bowdozed.
0: <laughs> uh, that's how they handled it, yeah, that was great.
1: That's how they got us out of town. So Mm -hmm. we moved from Largo to Seminole. My dad opened a pizza shop. But that's another story.
0: (laughs) In Seminole, huh?
1: Yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Well. (laughs) And then when I went last time, you know, we went to meet with Luke, get the interview and stuff. In Florida. And Luke defends, you know, a lot of the strip dancers, because the stripping clubs, that's considered, like, um, freedom of expression, you know, right. exotic dancing, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, that's how they handle it. Huh. defend it. And he's like, well, go to 2001. I'll call him. It's a, called 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> And it has this big thing on the roof that's like one of those space age looking mobile like uh, trailers. Like there's only a certain amount of them left in the world. It's only a small amount made, but one of them from the 60s is like still on this roof of the strip club. Has like the thousand dollar room. You can go up there and have all the girls lap dance. (laughs) Um, But I had went there as a, a kid, you know, a teenager or whatever. Or, you know, 18 and up, I had been to those clubs. But, um, yeah, we went over there, and one of the stripper girls starts talking to me, you know, and I mentioned that when I lived in Florida, I was living in Largo, and she says, Oh, Larghetto? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole reason I mentioned the whole strip club anyway, because she said Larghetto. Right. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it turned into. I mean, you got two black neighborhoods, and then you got the what people around there would call white trash neighborhoods, you know, on the border of those black neighborhoods. Hmm. My father, when he had his apartments, he was, you know, for those people, white people that had no money, you know, they don't have any alternative but to live next to the black neighborhood. And, you know, my father had, at one time with his partner, a million dollars worth of property Largo. The Sea Star Motel, um, Oak Park Court, where we filmed Blood Brothers. Oh, okay. Scenes of Blood Brothers. You know, we went through the buildings. Um,
0: a classic, a cult classic, and, by the way.
1: I mean, these places, you know, we found old postcards for Oak Park Court. And that place, in its day, in the 50s, was like a nice place, you know, like little cottages, you know, and like a retired person's dream. Hmm. Um, and now it's in old rundown places where there's like drug use and it's right on down on, uh, Fort Harrison road that goes through Largo and Clearwater. And that's like crack, crack street, you know, prostitutes getting picked up and
3: you know, the all your favorite American jobs. American pastime. And it's still there, you know. You can't <laughs> yeah.
1: draw it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just don't talk about it, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: And you got your Scientologist and Clearwater, a little deeper in there. Hmm. But considering my father's businesses, you know, were bordering basically a black neighborhood, um, at least close enough to it. Um. The policy, I believe, for Largo was like, well, when we can get our hands on these places, foreclose on them, we'll tear them down, even if they're still usable for people to, to live in. Because my father, actually, he lost his properties once Reagan changed the law. They got screwed, you know, because right. their taxes, like property taxes, went through the ceiling.
0: Fucking Reagan. You
1: can't get enough money out of these people. Yeah. I mean... Half of them probably, you know, my dad would have to go door to door, banging on doors, asking for the rent money. Oh. And every story would be like, I don't have that. Well, do you at least have 30 bucks? I mean, you got to go and physically bug them and get a $20 here and there. Um, yeah, it's tough, you know, and he was making money. We had a nice house at one point with a pool and all that good stuff. Um, and eventually he went broke. And lost it all, which happens, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the whole point of that, I was saying, was they tore all his properties down because they didn't want it to turn into a, you know, they're trying to shrink the ghetto and eventually they're going to get rid of it altogether.
0: I wanted to um, ask you about this one lady that's in the. Uh, that's in the documentary that is insistent that your parents abused you. Yeah, she, she She's the one that snowballed that whole theory amongst a lot of other yeah, people, I mean, pretty much.
1: Well, it's a mentality to think, like, well, no one would actually draw something like this unless they went through that. I mean, people have to find a reason why.
0: You would be. And I was yeah. just like,
1: well, why not, you know? <laughs> I know. Freedom of speech, we can talk about what we want. And I was seeing these reports on the news about, you know, priests and everything almost to the point where you figure it's tolerated almost, you know, I mean, people don't want to talk about it.
0: They'll drop it, yeah, they'll drop it, and then they they don't they don't do nothing.
1: And I was like, well, fuck that.
0: But it keeps going, untreated. You're right.
1: You don't want to think about it, I mean, I didn't Mm -hmm. see any other fanzines you know, dealing with anything like that, especially, except the people I was publishing. So, I was like, well, you know, if someone wants to draw that, don't they have a a right as an outlet? You know, just as much as Hustler magazine. You know,
0: I wanted and to I say had a friend, Oh, you know, good, good.
1: He wasn't eighteen yet; he was like seventeen and a half, maybe. And I would buy Hustler for him because he would say, "Hey, can you get the Hustler for me?" So I'd go in there, and and every time the woman would hassle me about my ID, <laughs> she'd be like. You're not 18.
0: <coughs> Larry Flint stole trying, my ID, man. <laughs>
1: trying to peel my ID apart yeah. and whatever. See if it's fake, you know.
0: Oh, God.
1: And then once they realize it's real, they still wouldn't sell it to me. I have to go to, like, three places. The I have no life
0: fucking... I mean,
1: the community <laughs> that's pro was protesting me, that's really what they hate, you know. I mean, it drives uh-huh. them nuts that they see a hustler when they go to pay for their gas back behind the guy, even though the... You only see the title, you know, you have to call there's certain laws the store has, but if they had their way, they would be like getting rid of Hustler, but they can't fight that big money, you know, but then they see, oh no, he's making a zine about, um.
0: And they have, they have tried to get rid of Hustler the same way they tried to get rid of you.
1: Well, of course.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean,
1: they tried, but. They tried. You know, it's, uh, yeah.
0: You're still the only one that got the fucking blemish somehow. And it was like through some kind of weird-ass fucking thing. But I just wanted to add, uh, before before you say anything else, I wanted to say that woman who was accusing you of having like, you know, these abusive parents and shit. I wanted to say, just for the record, I did have abusive parents. And you know what? Oh if I hadn't had abusive parents and I would have had chill-ass parents like you had, you know, for the most part, yeah. I, I would have uh, still been drawing... This shit. Well, it, yeah. It, it, my yeah. abuse has nothing to do with the perversion I want to lay down on paper, y'all. And yeah. I, I think, you know, it works both ways for them to be like a cute, yeah. you know. So it's like I did have a troubled background, but I, yeah. that's not why I draw troubled shit. I draw troubled shit because I want to draw troubled shit, and I, I love it. Yeah, yeah I fucking yeah, love the exactly. shit. You know, I fucking we, feed we on it. We saw stuff that we, you know, like people see stuff that speaks to them, mm-hmm.
1: and we saw what we like. Yeah. In Heavy Metal Magazine, I mean, in the Undergrounds, or wherever, you know, the, the pre-code horror comics. Yeah. Know, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, hey, these aren't like the other comics I've seen. These aren't like... Dr. Strange or Richie Rich or some other crap. You know? Right. It's like, wow.
0: <laughs> new I stuff.
1: Want to be like those guys, you know. I, I mean, we want to be... Yeah. Have some guts.
0: I liked how you said on the movie, too, you said, you know, I just thought it was time to take it up a new notch in Underground that hadn't been put out yet. <laughs> I, I thought that thought was
1: natural. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. I figured, well... 1950s, and in the 60s and 70s was underground comics. Well, now it's the 80s, 90. I was in 1989, 1990, and 91. And, you know, the undergrounds were dealing with stuff at the time, like slow death, you know, asbestos and other issues, and doing a great job at it. And I was like... Well, every time I turn on the news, there's something about a serial killer, you know. Uh-huh. That's where our society has gone in the past.
0: The you know, serial killer about, like, when the first phase. the so
1: so-called serial killer was, was doing his thing. Yeah. Richard Speck or whoever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that long ago, really. It wasn't, know? dude. We're almost in new territory. You know, the news is just selling the fear. Oh, yeah. Like they always uh, have been. Did, did I ever tell you the story with my grandfather in Kentucky, you know, with the serial killer thing? Uh-oh. That might be a good one to tell you right quick.
0: Well, tell us. Yeah, that sounds good. I
1: used to stay, like, spend the summer with my grandfather in Kentucky in his farm, which was in uh, Stamping Ground, Kentucky, outside of, like, Georgetown and near Lexington, maybe, or Louisville, um, But it was really nice, you know. He used to plow the fields and he'd find Indian arrowheads. He had like coffee cans full of arrowheads. Because that was their hunting ground. And he raised cattle. He grew tobacco from Arbor cigarettes. You know, I remember going, hanging out in the tobacco barn when the tobacco was in there drying. The smell of it and everything. And it was good times on the farm, you know. And it was like out in the middle of nowhere so at night it's pitch black. If the moon's not out, you go outside, it's like you have your eyes closed. It's kind of creepy, you know? Yeah. And anyway, on the news at that time, because this is like maybe, I remember one of the reports was actually the discovery of that Leonard Lake thing. If you remember that one. Oh, yeah. In California, where they were like finding like 11 or whatever people's remains on this property. Mm-hmm. And they were torturing the people and stuff. Um, and anyway, must've been like 82, I'm not sure about the exact year, but already people had the fear of serial killers. You know, my grandfather talking about serial killers, like, you know, those serial killers, it's weird because it's like, they're crazy, but they're not crazy. They're like you and me. They look like us. They act like us. But that's how they get you, because they're crazy. Remember that, Mike, you know, he said, they're crazy, but they're not crazy. Right. It's probably like the next day. He's not
0: wrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's up working in the field. <clears throat> and me and Virginia, who wasn't really my, real, my, really my grandmother, because he remarried, Um, name was Virginia, so we call her Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we always knew her since we were little kids, you know. Um, But they had this uh, road that goes by to my grandfather's property. From one direction, the bridge had been out. It was actually like a very, like a little creek all around his property, you know. And usually this spot in the creek where the road is, is not very, the water is not very high, but it depends on how much rain there was or whatever, how high the creek is. And, you know, it's such out in the middle of nowhere that, like, the bridge had, you know, went into disrepair, and people, there's like a dirt road off the road, and you drive through the creek, and then back up, and then you're on the road again, you know, it's really weird. Right. And I always remember my grandfather, like, in his truck, you know, we're going through the water, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Um, and every now and then, someone would drive through that thing, and they would get stuck <laughs> right in the creek, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My father, my grandfather, he was the first house you come to from that, which is, you know, maybe like a city block or or less, you know, maybe a little more, a couple blocks walk. So all the time, you know, they would come up, he'd tell us the stories, like once it was two guys who owned a restaurant, and they gave him like a $50 certificate to use at the restaurant or whatever, you know. and he would always help people, and they would try to offer him money. He wouldn't take it, you know, because he had his tractor. You know, he would take the tractor down there, put the chain on the bumper, pull him out. Uh, so evidently, this um, a family, you know, it was a, a man and a woman with two kids come walking up. And their car had gotten stuck in the creek trying to get through there. <sighs> And he says, hey, would you, can you, to my grandmother, to come up to the yard, and we happened to be in the front yard. And they were like, hey, well, can you take us just up to our house? I got my truck there, and then I can come and pull the car out, you know, my pickup truck. I have my chain. Um, and my grandfather was up in the field, you know, so for some reason we felt like, well, we can't go and tell Grandpa what's going on. I could tell she was kind of nervous, and she's like, well, I guess so. I guess it'd be all right. And it's almost like they didn't really talk her into it, but they kind of like, we're like, well, you know, it'd be easy. You just jump in there. I'm just right, you know, not too far over this way. And so we decided to do it. So we get in the car and we get in my grandmother's car and everyone, all of us get in the car, you know, and we drive off. So we come back, you know, which one grown, but like maybe 10 minutes. And the grandfather, Ernest... You know, my grandfather, I mean, is standing in the driveway with his hands on his hips, right? Looking at us, a mean look as we drive back into the driveway. Yeah. And my grandmother says, oh, he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And we get out and, and he's like, what the hell am I supposed to think when I'm up in the field working and I see you and Mikey driving off with some strange people? hmm she's like oh well their car broke you know their car got stuck in the thing and he wanted to get his truck and you know and he's like well don't you know those could have been serial killers right i told you they're crazy but they're not crazy and she's like well they look normal they were normal people no i told you they're crazy but you're not crazy that's how they get you <laughs> and um you know and she was like well they had kids they could have those kids just to fool you, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I saw that he was totally... He was, in
0: yeah. hysteria. Well, they sold it to seat. him. He bought it, you know?
1: There's no way in the world he's getting killed by a serial killer. I mean, this is out in the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> it, yeah. You know? It's kind of like uh, that Australian one or whatever where those he kids he win are, the
1: lottery yeah. a few times before that would happen, you know? But he had that fear. And it didn't even end there, you know? So we were driving into town a couple days later and a pickup truck was behind us. Yeah. And my aunt looks in her rearview mirror and she says, oh, I think that might be the truck that the guy was driving. I mean, now we've already established that he just was not a serial killer. I mean, he didn't kill us, right? Right. So who cares? Um, But she's like, I think that's the guy in the truck. (laughs) And my grandfather gets all tense. He's like sitting up in the seat as he's driving gripping the steering wheel, and he's like, Mikey, you look and see if that's the guy. (laughs) And I was going to turn around to look behind me out the back window. And she says, no, don't turn around. Oh, shit. Use your mirror. (laughs) Mm. She was like a hardcore gossiper and everything. So it's like, use your mirror. You can spy on them without them knowing you're looking. So I look. I acted all dramatic. You know, I'm looking like I think it's them. I don't know if it was them or not, but I was like, I think it's them. <laughs> oh my god! But I always remember that because they really were like. It shows you how the news wants to scare people, and it's like a a
0: that a is dramatic
1: TV show.
0: That's the point. Yep.
1: I don't know how we lost it. You know, serial killers, and what's up next in the news? Paris, Paris Hilton. You know.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> and that's you know. Real news. Yeah, it's How many other
1: <laughs> worthy stories are overshadowed and never <clears> the <throat> news, you know? I just, I, yeah, yeah,
0: I just know. like that your artwork was good enough for them to be that bored to, you know, turn it into this thing. I can't imagine what it first felt like when they thought you were that serial killer to begin with.
1: Oh, God.
0: I can't imagine well, what that felt boring. like. Yeah.
1: Well, you got to realize something, you know, about me. Is that I was a very always. I mean, they probably my mom mentioned it. Very shy person, or whatever. I mean,
0: yeah, she says that.
1: I had my my wild side that I kept inside, basically, and it came out maybe in my artwork. Yeah. Um, but pretty much, you know, I don't. Not that kind of person that's, like, really looking for publicity like other people might be, like maybe a Gigi Allen or something. Right. That really full force, like, all right, well, let's do this, you know. I mean, not talking bad about Gigi, certainly, but that's just another style of other side of it.
0: No, he did his own thing, yeah.
1: And so, I mean, yeah, that has your stomach in knots. Somebody comes over, the two detectives show up with a briefcase and say... Because of this, you're a suspect, and this student murders, and you have to give a DNA sample, you know. My mom was upset. She started slapping me, and she says, now will you stop, you know. Because this issue, number six, had cost me my job, and she was a secretary. I mean, that's the reason I got that job. She was a secretary there at the school board, and she got me my job, and... And, you know, they all gossip, uh, the damn secretaries, you know, they need stuff to talk about. And my mother, you know, I visited her desk now and then, and she had a sign on her desk pointing towards her direction that said quiet. Huh. She made it herself, a little sign. And I was like, what does that mean? And she says, oh, it's to remind me not to to gossip, because she was starting to gossip like these women. And she caught herself, you know, and said, oh, I'm not going to do this. Um, And, but the word was going around, like, you know, about me, you know, I had long hair. I didn't want to cut my hair. You know, I'm wearing like the Dead Milkman band t-shirt or whatever. Uh I mean, I'm not going to wear my real shirt collection because they don't want to see that, you know, but I'll wear like a more minimal thing. And um you know, like once I wore my circle jerks shirt.
3: <laughs> right.
1: But anyway, but you know, I was like a custodian. I mean I was only there for like a minute before all the secretaries left and I'd do my night work and print boiled angels, you know. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, like one night uh one day I go into work and there were rumors going around this teacher Really, it was like secretaries that had little sections of offices, and there's no students there. They basically decide what the classes are going to teach and whatever, what textbooks they'll use and stuff. And the, t- the different secretaries would have a bulletin board, you know, and it's one bulletin board, particular secretary, her kids came one day and decorated it with these cut-out handprints of their hands, you know, on colored construction paper and, like, pinned them to the board. Well, evidently, someone, two of the hands, they made, they folded down all the fingers except the middle finger, so two of the hands were shooting a middle finger, (laughs) and that's what she came back to work one morning to see. (laughs) And I cleaned, I don't know, I guess I cleaned her room, or maybe her room wasn't one of the rooms I was in charge of. Yeah. But she was starting a rumor that I did it, and she didn't appreciate it and all this crap. And I was like, well, I didn't do it. I mean, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Um. And there were a couple other male secretaries that worked there that were always, like, pranking each other and crap. And I think it was one of them, you know. I mean, the custodians get blamed. But anyway... Right. Um, you know, I mean, that kind of job, I was making the copies on the machines, and I snuck in there late at night, you know, I'm there at like 1 a.m. or whatever. Fuck yeah. 2 a.m.
0: Getting her done.
1: <laughs> I mean, you really feel like a, you know, a guerrilla zine maker or whatever, uh-huh. doing it that way. That is, yeah, um, that's it. So I'm there, you know, I snuck in off hours to make my copies. Brand new machine. Oh my God! The copies looked amazing. I was doing the number six back cover, I believe it was. Um, or know. yeah, I don't know. It was one of the pages, but anyway, my name was clearly on it, like Diana, under the drawing. Yeah. And it was this kind of creature with like a winding dick coming in its own face. <laughs> and, Classic. Um, You know, I considered breaking the door. It turned out that the the paper got jammed in the machine. And I realized that the door to the machine was locked. You know, the new machine had a lock on the door, which the old one didn't, just to clear the jam. So I'm looking through the secretary's desk and I can't find a key. She probably has it on her key ring to realize, you know, and I had had made a copy of the key to the copy room to get in there when I wanted. Um, so I considered breaking the thing open to get the jam out, but then they're going to come back and see this broken open machine, you know? So you can imagine how stressed I was. You know? Yeah, it's fucking like stressful. It in there, freaking out. At fucking <laughs> <in> the <morning. laughs> Bro, I'm not supposed to even be.
0: I can see it. I definitely so can when see I it.
1: Leave, you know, there could be a chance the cops are patrolling by. Hey, what are you doing leaving this hour piles of boiled angels? But anyway, (laughs) I decided to abandon the jam in the machine, and I figured, well, maybe the secretary would just clear the jam. She won't really pay attention to what it even is. She'll throw it in the trash, or maybe she'll have mercy and be like, oh, how did this get there? And throw it away. Well, God is not good that way, you know. Right. Um, Some days went by where I thought I was off the hook, and then the superintendent of the schools comes up to me. And basically, you know, the gig was up. He says, well, because I had been spotted before. I didn't know that they'd reported. Someone reported me already. A secretary saw me there later at night and reported it to the campus cops. And um, and then they found a copy, so they knew I was there. You know, so, now here's the weird thing. Not that that's already not weird enough. It's already
0: weird, yeah, let's hear it.
1: My Aunt Brenda, which is my mother's sister, you know, I was telling you, my mother worked at the school board in the same building. Well, my aunt, her sister was a, a school teacher, actually, in an elementary school. She was teaching, like, first graders or something. Well, teachers do this thing where they kind of trade Xerox copies of weird uh, kind of jokes. I mean, now it's all done online, you know. But like, Right. One of the ones I thought was weird always because it was like a little boy in a drawing of a little boy and a little girl. And one of them is saying, like, well, I'm not going to let you, the boy saying, I'm not going to let you touch mine. You broke yours off, you know,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: with a couple crudely drawn naked kids. Um, but it was lots of like jokes like that. Like some teacher would see a comic. In a magazine that was about a teacher. So they would Xerox that, put on a bulletin board, or give it to another teacher, and they would look at it and laugh or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like a whole culture of them doing that. You know, to, to like in the teacher's lounge, to pin them up or whatever. And I guess there were these security guards... Uh, campus cops that worked at the um, you know I told you the campus cops were on the case for me using a copy machine but what was even more screwed up is that the building that I had been transferred at to a hunt like $10,000 worth of computer equipment new stuff had been stolen from that (sighs) building And they had no suspects, but they knew it was an inside job. You know, I didn't know anything about it, but they mm. were trying to pin it on me, asking me if I did it. The campus police, you know, were asking. You're the me.
0: go-to guy, you know, for years. No,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, awful man. And he even showed
1: up to my dad's business. You know, oh, knew where I was working.
0: <laughs> Messing and with he just pops shows
1: up, and you know, you know who took him? Um. Did you take on, you know, this crap? God damn. Not a good feeling, you know? No, man. And I've told you the whole time I lived in Florida, basically as a teen and a dog, I put up with that crap like a constant basis, you know. Yeah. So I've seen police harassment, you know. First hand during these times people are gonna be like, You don't know what you're talking about? I'm like, I've seen more than a lot of people Already. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um,
0: Until it just affected the whole fucking world, you know, what you've been through.
1: you know, I was saying my Aunt Brenda, who was a a teacher at the school. So one of the campus cops walked up to her one day when she was in the lounge and hands her a Xerox and says, he's laughing. He says, ha ha, what do you think of this one? She looks at it. It's a Xerox of that drawing that got stuck in a copy machine. Oh, shit. That was part of the file of the campus police's into this investigation about me using a copy machine. You know? So they're making a joke out of it. I mean, they're distributing my drawings now in elementary school. Now, my aunt is a tough woman, you know? I mean, I loved her because she was like, more fighting woman than a lot of people, you know. And you actually see her and my mom at an abortion protest for the pro-choice side that I went to with them. They used to go to protest, you know, back in the day. I mean, before all this fashion, before it was fashion.
0: Yeah, when it actually Um, meant something.
1: And when they handed her that, she said, and she had this certain tone. I mean, it would put you in your place, basically, you know like a stern, she said, um, where did you get that? My nephew drew that. Something like that. And he's like, oops. You know, he's like, zoink. And he runs away. Now, what does that tell you? You know, mm-hmm. you the whole system. And, and what else The campus cops told me? The ones that were asking me about the computer equipment that was stolen, trying to pin that on me. You know, when I I quit my job, you know, they talked me into quitting, but I had like a month to change my mind. But I had to go in front of the school board meeting, it's almost like a court session to plead my case and say that I want to review it. Yeah. And not quit, maybe to maybe get my job back. You know, started having second thoughts. I'm like, fuck it, I don't want them to kick me out of my job. Um, but what he said to me was, well, if you try and get your job back we're going to have you charged with trespassing um, for going in there during an hour that you weren't supposed to to make copies. It's trespassing, you know. (sighs) So when I went the day, which was like maybe two days before it expired to change my mind, I went to the, the court hearing and that campus cop saw me walking in the door. He happened to be hanging out or something. He's like, And he says, what are you doing here? I didn't say anything, you know. And he went and he sat down. It's like he was across the room. I could feel his presence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He sat down in there. And and actually what's funny is now that I think of it. If you know the episode of Seinfeld with the guy that goes after Jerry for the long overdue book.
0: Oh, Bookman? Yeah, library cop. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy.
1: <laughs> the way he talked, his mannerisms, the way he dressed. I mean, I swear to Christ, it's so funny. You fucking
0: punks that, think you can get away with everything.
1: that That's, yeah, that's yeah. what he was. That's what came into my mind when I saw that episode. The like, there he is. Hey, hold on one second, Mike. I wouldn't doubt if they got him to do it.
0: Give me one second. But anyway. Hold on. All right, sorry about that. All right, uh. Had to go take a little smoke break there. Mike, you understand. I know you understand what it's like to have to get fucking baked in these trying times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes, yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
0: And hearing your story, you know, I really haven't been through an nth of the harassment that you have. And uh, I always, you know, I always thought it was because of your own line work and just the way you draw, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I draw offensive, you know, I got fucking some goat motherfucker with an 18 inch hard on going up some dude's fucking ass and out of his mouth, you know, with his fucking, you know, shit. But it, my shit looks like fucking Disney kind of drew it all. (laughs) And and, And yours is actually frightening. It's like this really frightening, you know, where there is this schizophrenic line in it or whatever. Uh, and you can see these guys just feeding off that shit. And, You know, it's too bad that they couldn't just give you the credit, like, "Wow, he's a fucking awesome artist. That's awesome."
3: Yeah. And you
0: know, they should have been praising you. You yeah. were in the right time, you know. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. that because you know they could have been uh, like Mickey and it could have been the other way around, like Mickey and Mallory and. Well, yeah. And it really did kind of turn that way for you, right? Because all the people that came out uh, in support and uh, in the movie with... Uh, uh-huh. Well, you know, Neil Gaiman, he he acts like this case is the end-all, be-all, the way he narrates on there. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? yeah. He's, he's definitely one of the good ones. He's know? a
0: good one, you know, and he actually cared about the case. Yeah. And you can tell.
1: He was doing like, charity work for the Defense Fund, Comic Book Illegal Defense Fund. Um, and, uh, you know, I was in uh, Charlotte, there was a convention, they had me come out, Neil was there, my mom came out, you know, my sister, she was going to school uh, around that area at the time, and she came out to see it, and I spoke on stage, and Neil spoke, Um, and my mom, you know, even got like a signed poster by him, because he was signing stuff, and uh, he was very generous, I mean, that's the word, you know, Yeah. and yeah, it was good, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, he was able to do it, I mean, he was, him and Steve Bissett, you know, Mm -hmm. were very happy, everyone really was happy to do it. I mean, I think one only person to turn us down was, um, Art Spiegelman.
0: (laughs) Right, and I thought he, I was under the impression that he was, like, on board this shit, like, you know, the whole time,
1: or whatever. Yeah, I mean, who knows anymore. Huh. Maybe people feel like, you know, they don't have time. Uh, I know at one point we're trying to get Dennis Kitchen, but it never came together. Um, Oh, hmm. Well, you know, I mean,
0: you saw. I thought he'd definitely be on board. Something I mean, like that. Jay Lynch,
1: you know, I was happy about that.
0: Super supportive. Yep, yeah, he yeah. he definitely is. Yeah. I mean,
1: to get his—I don't know if that was his last interview, but maybe. And then Romero, you know, his last interview.
0: Oh my God! Do he starts talking about EC Comics? I was getting shivers. I was like, this is, this guy's a god, uh, you know, I mean.
1: Yeah. Whew. I mean, you know, he, um, yeah, he used to read him. That's what he says.
0: Yeah. And I like how he listed off underground comics as being a, a lower form, form yeah. of dope, of cop and dope.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right, you know.
1: Yeah. Anthony, the producer of the doc, actually was dating Romero's daughter at the time and um, asked George, what can we do an interview? Um, I guess at a certain point they knew, you know, he's not going to be around forever, you know. Let's get him to talk about this stuff. You know.
0: And caught him in right but at the actually right time. in the
1: doc, you know if you remember he's talk he's definitely talking about the ecs when he used to buy them yeah but then another clip he's saying that something about all the stories had morals and the people that deserved to get their come up-ins got their up ins you know uh-huh that particular part he was talking about creep show which is basically talking about un- about the horror comics anyway because that's what creep show was you know
0: yep <laughs> i love it it made sense that i used the creep show 2 soundtrack
1: well yeah it all comes together <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> well, i was like you know plus you had the uh the paul Coates uh review yeah. uh sample yeah. on your movie and i hadn't actually seen the movie until after i did my stale Link uh uh, uh, episode right. right before that because I was like, well, I want to get me and I want to get Mike and we were like these figureheads at that time uh, mm-hmm. you know, causing damage.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: And,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> you know, Gigi was doing his thing with the music and, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's how it was then.
0: Yeah. No, we could get away with doing what, well, you know, you weren't able to get away with it, but then you were able to get away with it because,
3: yeah,
0: you know, they flipped the shit on your ass and it became Femme Fatelli.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that just, yeah, it takes time. I mean...
0: Yeah. Art school know. art school confidential, man. It was like Dan Klaus, and I remember watching that movie and uh, and the variation from the uh, actual Dan Klaus comic... Mm. And the one with uh that actually gets made into the movie and i and I liked how fucking uh you know the guy, the kid you know just becomes famous for being this killer that yeah. he wasn't even the killer mm-hmm. and he made the money on it, you know,
1: yeah,
0: and that was yeah. you know someone else did all the dirty work state well, yeah. state of florida being the crumb sucking fucking censoring fuck nazis you know that they are yeah. you know they they oh, yeah. they just did you your ass a favor in the end
3: oh yeah
0: that was it you know i mean oh. you went through it you paid for it but man oh man at least you kept your innocence through it and that's a weird yeah. thing to think about that no one else really puts on that is that
3: yeah I mean, you didn't
0: violate shit and uh Who's that, your dad? That's all, uh, he hasn't killed anybody yet. (laughs) Yeah, as far as I know. As far as I know, he hasn't killed anybody yet. It's like, well, you know, man, (laughs) they don't know that you're just this guy who wants to draw. It's really cut and dry. It's really cut and dry. (laughs) Motherfuckers like us just want to draw it out and make quality shit that is, you know. Yeah what we're going for man uh specifically in underground
1: be killing and all that if i was a different person yeah (laughs) if i gotta have an extra life
0: well you know we made a uh, underground history right um when we were like on fogel's fucking around on fogel's playground uh our crumb print I I want to tell you guys out there, too, how that's possible, because this is actually the first time in the 21st century, as far as I'm aware, anyway, that uh, an original 20th century underground imprint actually resurfaced and Mm -hmm. put out books from that time period, uh, which would have been true underground. And it was me, you, and John Orlando. Yeah. And, uh... Unfortunately, I got about ten John Orlando ads in my fucking book. <laughs> yeah. It's like come on, Overkill. Uh but uh yeah, pimping that motherfucker off. Uh yeah, but uh
1: nobody's gonna order that stuff through the mail anymore. Nah. But you got your book out. Yeah.
0: Which was uh what was the book?
1: Sugar saying Book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got your book
0: Uh Condemocrats. People are lo- I love those books. Is that Xanax kicking in that I gave you? Sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> I
1: love those damn books.
0: I'm glad you can email Xanax now. No, I, I created that whole program. Wow. <laughs> drugs on, <laughs> drugs online. <laughs> yeah. All you gotta do is put your hand up to the screen, guys. Oh man, I'm yeah. feeling that motherfucker right now. No scan it makes Neo and Matrix look like a fucking complicated textbook.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: No, we yeah. we did it though, man. We created American history. They definitely uh you had to go up for guys like me and my partners that I worked with at Stale Inc. and all these other all these other yeah. guys that were around, obviously that fucking were going for the offense. and, and you yeah. just you aced it, man. Uh, and you know you did, because you got fucked with because of it. Yeah. I love that, dude. That,
1: yeah.
0: That's some heroic-ass shit.
1: I'm not going to play
0: Foo Fighters, you know, at the end of it, but.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I do want right, to, will you tell me about, it? um, I just want, what was your sister's name again, man?
1: Uh, Tamara. But she goes by, by, you know, I always called her Tam, but people, when she was young, would call her Tammy, uh-huh. and my father would call her Tammy, and, you know, it eventually drove her nuts, Tammy, 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 so, she changed, wanted to be called Kaya. I forget <laughs> the meaning of it. Um, she's, like, into smoking and everything, so... Some kind of reference to something along those lines, you know. And um, I call her Tam. You know, she tolerates it for me because that's what I always called her.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but her real name was Tamara. I mean, I thought it was a good name, you
0: know. I like how she's just, you know, she's open in that little part that she's talking about being in your horror movie, and and, oh, Ma- yeah. and Matthew, you know, gives her the abortion with the fucking hanger. And it's got the yeah. little... Where'd you score that little fetus at, by the way? <laughs> what is that thing?
1: Oh, my God.
0: Do you, I wanted to like ask that, you about that piece in particular.
1: At school I was working at, when I was working for the school board, they had a big room full of... Like, almost like a room they were using as a warehouse. Full of like stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And I... It was in like a plastic briefcase, you know, suitcase-looking thing. You open it up and you see all the fetuses from tiny one going up in size you know showing you the stages and um you know I had swiped that for my movie I mean this is stuff that was long forgotten you know what else I scored in that same warehouse there was uh, audio tape that they would play for classrooms it was the Jim Jones sermons oh no way (laughs) I was just still had that tape. I mean, imagine Oof. the narrator turning that into a school lesson, you know, like the danger of cults. <laughs> and they actually had the uh, graphic, um, you know, all that stuff. Actually, you hear all that stuff that I, I put on the soundtrack in my movies. You know, you watch uh, especially Big Baby Jesus. and You mm-hmm. hear that Jim Jones temple stuff, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Deep, but yeah, I found some interesting stuff, and I open a suitcase, and it's full of fetuses. So I mean, that's really, <laughs> what it was. you know, it's more like on what you have available. So I'm like, "Whoa, we got fetuses. We're going to do an abortion." You know, it wasn't the other way around, probably.
3: Uh uh-huh. um,
1: But really, at that time, you know, abortion was such an issue in Florida, and Governor Martinez at the time that went against Two Life Crew, also. Was stirring up all the abortion issues again, trying to legalize abortion. Yeah. And my mother, um, yeah, I mentioned before, didn't I? My mother and my aunt would go to the the rallies, and so I went to a rally with them once. And so you see clips of that in the Big Baby Jesus video. Blood Brothers was like an hour long, complete. Film and then Bake Baby Jesus is more like a collection of short films, and then the clips of the um, abortion rally and whatever. Um, and then my cousin, you know, if you notice on the news clips in the dock, my cousin who's holding my hand up saying, Should these hands be tied? You know, oh yeah, he is always super against authority, you know. My cousin from Florida, Tony, and, you know, he wore the face paint um, and wanted to help me, like, at my pre-trial. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, a bit of a
0: circus. That's who that was. I was wondering, I figured, you know, he was either a really good friend or, yeah. you know.
1: He actually watched the doc last night and gave me a call.
0: Oh, I shit, watched we watched it at the same time. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. What day did you watch it?
0: Yes, last night.
1: June third. Yeah, yeah. I think he watched it June second, which was actually my would have been my father's birthday. Oh wow! I gotta tell him that.
0: <laughs> yep. But I, anyway, I just I mean, saw it though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he was supportive, you know, because he was very like screw the system and believed that I was getting screwed with, you know, and he had his own many run-ins with the law because he's anti-authority. Yeah. Um, he once was standing on the balcony of his building he was living in, and he shined a laser pointer um, on a cop's badge. He was in a convenience store reading across the street, reading a magazine, and he shined it through the window on the cop's badge. I mean, yeah, you're messing with the law. You're kind of asking for it at that point, but uh-huh. this is Clearwater Beach when you live there cop marches across the street, comes up the stairs, and just arrests him right there for a an officer.
3: Oof, buddy.
1: And he ended up paying a $1,000 fine. They found him guilty, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, he had his own battles, and then I had some, and he helped me out. Um,
0: So at least you had someone you could relate to, you know? Yeah. And that's nice, man. You know.
1: We used to sit around drinking and smoking, thinking up ideas like, should we bring a greased pig to the courtroom and set it loose? You know, <laughs> We were saying, imagine baggage, the prosecutor jumping, diving for the pig, and getting all greasy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 <and> pig
1: squealing, <laughs> running around. And Another idea we had was like, well, let's rent a limo, and I'll get out of the back seat of the limo, But as I get out, there's going to be like 50 live chickens coming out, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe I come out like a clown car and all these people dressed as clowns one after another. (laughs) We were like, what kind of publicity stunt can we do on the news?
3: Oh, man. And
1: uh, we were even considering renting a dunking booth from the party shop and setting it up in the parking lot behind the courthouse. And I was going to sit in the dunking booth filled with water and we would say to the prosecutor, well, just go ahead and dunk Mike Diana. Take your frustrations out.
3: <laughs>
1: I mean, we almost considered doing it because the price-wise it was doable. But then we had to be like, well, how are we going to fill the thing? We're going to have to ask the courthouse for a hose. I mean, where's your water spigot? <laughs> we never looked into legality of like, could we set that up in a parking lot? But that would have been awesome. You know? uh-huh. But yeah. anyway, what we totally. did was the cake thing, which you see. The footage. Uh, my brother was filming with my cousin's camera, and we we're passing out flyers that um, my friend Bill went by Bill Kill, and he was a Boiled Angel contributor. hmm And he I kind of remember that collage art and stuff. Yeah. Um. He was out of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And he actually was working for Macy's in the uh, department, like the warehouse, where they would make all, like, store displays, like, cutting things out of fiberglass and pex plexiglass. So he'd make me these cool little plexiglass, like, items and put my art on them and send them to me, like, just at his job when he had downtime, you know. Um, But, yeah, he was doing some good stuff I was publishing, and... um, you know, where was I going with that anyway?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but, dude, I can't even believe we're, like, uh, about to end this here, man. Um, but, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. Yeah. Okay, I knew I told you if I, if, if we, if I was going to end it. Yeah. <laughs> I asked him, I told him that I wanted to pass out flyers at my court thing, hmm. something in my favor, and so he made a couple... And I have to find them for you where I have them printed or whatever, but one of them yeah, I it says it's like got this old, really ancient-looking artwork that he collaged from, like, old Bibles and stuff of devils and angels. And it says something like, um, nothing in the Boiled Angel zine is anything worse than what is in the Holy Bible as far as horror stories and crap. Yeah. Um, that was one of them. And um, the other one was like, you know, something with my face, like a wanted poster type thing. Um, so we're passing those out, and we thought, let's make a cake, a rectangle cake, and make it like the Constitution of the United States, and make it like the First Amendment. And you know, we're like, well, what does the First Amendment look like? I mean, well, <clears throat> I think we just ended up with red frosting and wrote free speech or no censorship or we put or no we put first amendment we wrote on the cake it was like i ran out of space you know (laughs) (laughs) it was almost like one of those cake fails but anyway (laughs) um we were like we're going to serve people cake you know yeah and that's exactly what we did you know luke lawyer luke he had a piece of cake
0: Oh yeah, he seemed chill, man. You know? Yeah.
1: He was into some cake. <laughs>
0: he totally he was cake cake I'll master. A piece of yeah. cake. <laughs> Masters you of know. cake, man.
1: I don't think I ate any I don't know if I ate any cake, you know. I mean my stomach was in knots a lot of times.
0: Wow, you dude. Know?
1: And you were talking about Wendy's earlier. I think you had Wendy.
0: Oh, yeah, I had two for five on the chicken.
1: One of my court (laughs) cases with all my friends, you know, which was only like maybe two people one time, friend Steve and this other guy, Robert, with the lock had locked in his ear. Okay. We went to one of my hearings, and we stopped at Wendy's, and I ordered my usual double burger, and I stared at it for a while. I couldn't even take a bite out of it, even though I was hungry. You know, I hadn't eaten, but I couldn't eat it. Yeah. That's mm. how they get you, you know.
0: That's how they get you.
1: But I survived, you know. I mean mm. I survived it.
0: Dude, we survived making this awesome ass podcast just now. Can you believe it? We came to the end of it.
1: Yeah.
0: It's pretty amazing, dude. Now we yeah, never have you know to we never have to record this again. <laughs> it's a
1: you're recording
0: <laughs> oh wait Ah oh, fuck i have <laughs> that's well it happened earlier remember we got three minutes in i was like oh shit i'm fucking on blue dream i forgot
1: we did a better second take anyway
0: it was a better you know. second take for sure no mike thank you for joining us tonight Yeah,
1: and definitely. and
0: walking us through this fucking american history ass x shit Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, I want to thank you guys out there for uh, joining me now on two fucking seasons. And uh, this is it. We wrap up season two. The next time I talk to you guys, I'll be (laughs) in your homeland uh, back in the uh, New York stomping grounds. Well, I was like, I want to die on the backside of a fucking mountain with my, you know. Yeah. I'm just like, I would rather just be in the disease pit with everybody, what makes me any specialer, you know. And plus, I don't like being alone. And, I, you know, I want to get back out there so my art will fucking, you know. If you get too comfortable yeah. sometimes, shit doesn't work. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. And
0: I think that's kind of the whole point of this whole thing is some level of uncomfortability is processed yeah. into this art. And that was my whole thing, you know, specifically about abortion and shit like that, too. And yeah. uh, that it was yeah. just these subjects that were shoved in your face with no regard about yeah. specifically how young young people felt when we heard this shit when we were kids, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was like,
0: well, i just, we're just going to shove it the fuck back in your face. They don't like that shit, do they?
1: No. No. They hate it. They hate it. Because they don't want to see it.
0: No. But guys, remember that, you know? You know. Yeah. If they censor you, that means you're doing something right, probably. Just don't hurt no one. You know, Mike didn't have to hurt anyone. They just needed to think that he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly. The Gainesville killer. Yeah, no. My favorite part before we leave, too, dude, is that meathead. uh, uh, What is that? Sally Jesse Raphael or whatever, where that fucking guy get, you like to get beat on, and you're yeah. hanging out with your girlfriend.
1: Oh God!
0: Uh, the- and the guy stands up, and he's oh, like this man. fucking total me head, you know, motherfucker from you know <laughs> Jersey yeah. Jersey Shore shit, you know. Uh-huh. And he's all like That's fucking yeah, and he was like, you like to beat on women? <laughs> yeah. And he he just Oh my god. Uh, that was it, man. As soon as you heard that, you're like America America. Yeah, that
1: was that was ridiculous, I mean.
0: This was the extended yeah, ending, guys, so I love you, Mike. You're my brother, man, and we're gonna keep doing this until the bitter end. And I encourage <laughs> you to uh keep fucking uh drawing out there yeah. too. And regardless oh, yeah. of whatever
1: You gotta keep doing it.
0: You heard Mr. Diana just fucking tell you. So get the fuck on it. Uh, (laughs) Chop, chop. Start drawing. Yeah. (laughs) Start drawing,
1: cunts.
0: (laughs) All right, Mon. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Peace. Wow, man. That was awesome, dude. (laughs) Hey, before I leave, dude, uh, I want to play these uh, couple samples. One from that prosecuting pig who was all, like, uh, jacking off to fucking Mike's comic, obviously. <laughs> and then one from George Romero, the master of horror himself, and then one from Mike's sister. Hold on. Sounds like a joke. So the prosecuting DA, George Romero, and Mike's sister walk into a bar. All right, hold on.
1: I looked at it as obscene from the minute I opened it up. I, I It was in our office. It had not been prosecuted yet. When I looked at it, there was no question in my mind that it was obscene. I was repulsed by it. There was even spending more time with it. I found nothing redeeming about it. I only found it more and more repulsive. I was reading EC before the Comic Code. <laughs> uh, that's how old I am. Uh, and then all of a sudden came the Comic Code, and and you know we had to. Buy them underground. We have to pay more for them, and there were only certain guys that would sell them. And uh, it was like uh, you know, a minor version of you know, where do you where do you get your dope?
2: Mike has always been into making movies, and I was actually in one. And I kind of wasn't sure if it was a good idea. And maybe after the fact, I wondered if it was smart that I had done it. Because I was religious when I was younger. I would go to church a lot. And for this particular film, he was to give me an abortion. So in the film, Matt was hitting me. And I says, oh, don't hit me. I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. And Matt says, oh, well, I'll give you an abortion. And so here I am lying there. And Matt has a hanger, and then he pulls the hanger back, and there's a little plastic toy fetus with fake blood over it, and that was kind of fun. I'm glad that I did that, even though I wasn't sure. I have no regrets over it.
0: Wow. Damn. (laughs) All right, that wraps it up, man, for the season uh third season is coming up and I'm gonna do it a new way do some new shit and I hope you fucking like that <laughs> huh I'm glad that there's only this like special breed of underground comic artists who really get it. The whole thing's really normal, I assure you. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll be there soon enough, Mike. We'll be doing Corona Bong Hicks. (laughs) Corona Bong Hicks in the end. Oh, God. Heading to the pit of disease. Still going to draw some shit. But I want to talk to more people. I want to thank everybody who has made these two seasons possible. It's been fucking nothing short of amazing. I really am just like kind of in a state of awe. (laughs) Uh, this was a great little bit of time well spent and if you're out there drawing and you felt like these things could keep you down well look at some seasoned vets like me and Mike who have had our uh, share of work out there and just uh no, you're not alone. Keep making that fucking work, and join me on season three of Adamair MDGD Underground Cartoon Therapy. <laughs>